Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Okay, a lot to get to today. Let's start here. We are in a recession. That's what the, quote, experts are telling us. Uh, Yeah, and if we're supposed to trust the experts, listen to the experts, well, that's what the experts are telling us right now. New survey from the National Association of Business Economics shows some pretty staggering data. We're 72% of economists. Yeah, I think we're already in a recession or heading there very soon, like within by by the middle of next year. Yeah, we're going to be in a recession uh, if we're not already. And uh, the only question is... How damaging is it going to be? Okay. I don't know, man. Sometimes I think this talk about whether or not we're in a recession or not, you lose so many people in this country. Because they're like, this is all I know. I'm going backwards. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. You call it whatever you want. Yeah. I'm going backwards, and everything's more expensive. And I keep getting told that, you know, I should just be happy that all these policies are working. Right. It's insane to me. Well, yeah, and, and, and again, to that point, never forget the Biden administration has been denying this reality for months now, and I just want to bring back the handy little montage. Oh, yes. You're very good at this, David. I appreciate Jules, it. No, 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 no. Not that. A recession is not inevitable. I don't think that a recession is inevitable. I don't think a recession is at all, at all inevitable. Right now, we don't see a recession. Right now, that is not, we're not in a recession right now. No one is predicting a recession now. They're predicting, or some are predicting there may be a recession. We ex- okay, okay. Two of these people are, well, it's more than that, wrong constantly. Right. One doesn't even know where he is half the time. But these are our leaders. We expect a transition. Uh, right now, we're in a transition. The transition that we can accelerate. That is why our administration <laughs> has paid a particular priority to the various facets of, of, of people's needs and their lives. Yeah. yeah. What the hell does that mean? It, it Have means you figured nothing. out the root causes yet of why so many no, people are coming across the southern border? Hurry. Did you get that one yet, Kamala? No. no. Words that mean nothing. I mean, every single person associated with the Biden administration is just wrong about everything constantly. It's impressive at this point how wrong they are. If they say something, remember, the opposite will probably happen. That That's True. the hard and fast. It's the Jim Cramer rule applied to the White House. Anything they say, the opposite is what's going to happen. Afghanistan's not going to fall to the Taliban. Oops, it did in like a week. You know what? You ever try to play this game whenever someone's completely wrong? And this could be about COVID. It could be about the economy, about the southern border, when the Department of Homeland Security is saying the border is secure. We just want to make it more secure. Just forget what's real and what isn't and ask yourself the question, are they trying to fundamentally change the country? Mm -hmm. Is that what this is about? And the answer, I would say, over 90% of the time is yes. Yeah, sure. And that's what it's really about, because you'll drive yourself crazy trying to make sense of all of this, because it doesn't. It's about another motive, and it's changing 
the way America works. Well, it's the old and, adage. And it's, but it's bigger than that. It's No, it is. It's a globalist movement that we're just a part of. But it's the old adage, no sense makes sense. Ooh. Wow. That's okay. part of my rural, rural upbringing. Yeah. No sense makes sense. So if it doesn't make any sense, yeah. it makes sense that it doesn't make any sense. Okay. And you weren't even I'm, a weed smoker in school. Are, are no. You, to be, are, no. Are you moonlighting as a Kamala Harris speechwriter? <laughs> you know, I just thought about that. There was bits and pieces of her in there, wasn't there? <laughs> there really was. Yeah, I, I, I think you know what I'm trying to say, but I, I didn't say it very well. Sure. I, I talk yeah. for a living. <laughs> you have the recorder on, right, David? <laughs> I was just saying that, that just, it did remind me of Kamala Harris because it reminded me of a fortune cookie from hell. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I, if I, it doesn't make sense, then it does make sense. And sense is what we're trying to do every day. See, that... Again, putting, I'm just here to help. Putting Kamala. sense in your pocket. Uh-huh. See? Yeah. We're, we're doing that. Gas prices. Yeah. Oh, gosh oh, dang it. Yes. Very good. Um, Scamala. <laughs> that's pretty good. Also, Fauci announces retirement, but I'm really not retiring. There's other things I want to do, like bring up. The new generation of scientists. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing that crap. Oh, boy. Okay. I think you've done enough, enough damage, dude. Uh, just retire. Yeah. You're going to be uh, called to testify before too long anyway. Don't get busy doing something else. Um, but he said what, David? Well, he, he so he's announced that he's stepping down from his leadership role in the federal government in December. And liberal media types are very sad about that. I did like uh, I saw the uh, one of the Chirons, one of the headlines that Tucker Carlson had on last night, which was it was the news that shook Soul Cycle, which is that's a plus writing. That's that's really good. Whoever came up with that line, tip of the cap, man. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> but apparently, you know, he's the only source for truth and science, and now science is soon to be over. Uh, Rachel Maddow interviewed Anthony Fauci on MSNBC last night oh, and asked him for some insight into how the government could better crack down on these people who doubt the science. This is going to be hard to take, isn't it? I haven't heard this. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You've heard it, Scott? Yeah, I have. Okay. All right. You know, Rachel, I wish I did have a positive, constructive answer for you, but I don't. I think you and I are talking about public health issues right now. But what has spilled over and really in many respects impeded a proper response to a public health challenge is something that we see that goes well beyond public health. It's a complete distortion of reality. I mean, uh, okay, distortion of reality. You lied about things many times, starting with we have nothing to worry about as far as this particular virus into the whole mask thing back and forth on the masks and it just goes on from there a world of where untruths have almost become normalized how we can see something in front of our very eyes and deny it's happening i mean that's the environment okay does he give any receipts at all uh, does he give any examples any facts he tries to but it's not rooted in any sort of reality i mean this guy's one of the biggest disinformation machines that we've had in the last two years absolutely we're living in you could look at 
January 6th on TV and you have some people who actually don't believe it happened. How could that possibly be? Okay. Who so is that? there it goes back to January 6th with him again. Well, stop it with who don't believe it happened. Who, who doesn't believe it happened? Who's out there saying it didn't happen? Honestly, I, I don't. That's a, that's calling that a straw man is almost a, a, it's an insult to scarecrows everywhere. Yes, <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I heard that too, though, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Wow, you lied about gain-of-function research. I mean, and you're going to be caught in that life, Fauci. That is still coming down. There's so many different things that happened over time. And then you see the email again from Francis Collins to Fauci saying, hey, this great Barrington project, okay, and talking about how we should focus on the people that are most at risk and the older people. Okay, and how some of this stuff is just not working. We have to publicly deny all of this and squash it. And that's what they did. They demonized those people. Lifelong, respected scientists, trashed by an entire group led by Fauci. And most people in the country don't even know this. No. It's so frustrating. It, Rachel! Yeah, I don't even know what to say, but these people don't believe January 6th. I have to read you a quote, though, from... Chewbacca guy was almost the president. president, right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What's the quote? A paragraph from PJ Media today. Uh, Worse, every would-be tyrant latched onto Fauci's science to close this lockdown, to to down this, shut down the, uh, the economy. Instead, Fauci tore a path of destruction through the country like my bipolar ex-girlfriend used to do to the living room on one of her bad days. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention what this guy did to kids. All right, more on that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, It does look like the White House is leaning toward canceling $10,000 in student loan debt. Yeah. Should be hearing an announcement on that as soon as tomorrow. About canceling $10,000 in student loan debt. They're saying, I haven't seen a whole lot of details on it other than an individual making less than $125,000 a year eligible for up to $10,000 in debt forgiveness. Okay. What we've seen from the studies are that most of the people that are in debt Mm -hmm. are graduate students. Okay. Why are we paying for that? The American people, why are we paying for that? Why is someone that went to, I don't know, some sort of trade school that didn't go in debt, why does he have to pay for someone else's? No. Well, well and I've, I've said it before, you know, I, I, I'm all for the idea of canceling people's debt for useless degrees, as long as it's the universities that gave them those degrees who are paying it. Because if, if it's something that needs to be forgiven, then obviously it was a scam. And obviously, then the people who were taking part and pushing that scam should be the ones responsible for it. And profiting right. from that scam. I mean... That's not the American people. Nope. Nope. No one on this show made you go out and get a degree in Eastern European trans basket weaving or whatever. Nope. But even those jobs are hard to fill right now. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And that worthless major that you had, David, film school or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I had a useless major, but I'm not asking anybody to pay off my debt. It's paid for. I'm done. Right. You paid for it yourself. Yeah, because I'm an idiot. Well, well, you were an idiot. It was before you, well, took the red (laughs) pill. 
But now that you know, do you want to pay for someone else's useless film degree? Not at all. Of course not. Not interested. Golly, man, it's so frustrating. The funniest thing to me about this is that this is a policy. If it really is just $10,000 in student loan debt, this is something that is guaranteed to piss off everybody because the cancel student loan debt people are saying, well, I, I, you know, I, I, I make more money than $125,000 and I've got $70,000 in debt. Why aren't you paying off all my debt? You know, for the real hardcore cancel student loan debt crowd, 10000 is nothing. And then for the rest of us who don't want to pay somebody else's bills for them, uh, mm-hmm. it just ticks us off, too. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth Warren's one of those people. She's already saying, man, it's not enough. Yep. It should be as high as $50,000, oh, especially for Native American studies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Okay, much to get to. Um, <laughs> the American Academy of Pediatrics refusing to say the surge in trans kids comes from a social contagion. Nope, that's not it. We'll get to that. Hi, this is Jack Riccardi, and you're listening to News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Stay connected. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Say this a lot, man. It seems like there are parts of the country falling apart, and there are so many. I mean, I'll go so far as to say dark forces at work. Mm. Okay, especially when you're talking about the trans issue with kids. Mm-hmm. They, you feel like, what is happening, and how are all of these professionals going along with this? This, this is insane. I see this story. Wall Street Journal had it. Daily Wire had it. The American Academy of Pediatrics has refused to acknowledge that this soaring number of kids claiming to be transgender is due to social contagion. Yeah, we talked about this several months ago. It's yes. It's been years at this point. I mean, yeah. I there, mean, I remember I remember this very conversation. Yes. There's a prominent trans psychologist whose name I can't remember who is trans herself who has said this reminds me of uh anorexia in the 90s. Yes. Yeah. This has been well studied. Um, again, man, uh, the Wall Street Journal had this opinion piece from pediatrician Julia Mason and Manhattan Institute fellow Lior Sapir um, talking about this entire social contagion because people want to be accepted, especially at the age right around 12 when you're sure. talking about middle schoolers. It becomes very important to feel part of something. And that's why you're seeing this all over the place. And so it's another institution, the American Academy of Pediatrics, that says, well, we'll follow the science. You're not. And again, it's because of a few people at the top that control so much. And that's how an entire country can get changed. Because this doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So keep your eye on that. It's a very interesting story. But those people that are supposed to be protecting kids more than anything else are going along with an agenda. Well, it's, well it's, it's, there are two things that are influencing these decisions. Uh, one is profit motive and the other is fear. And could you think about the trans activist crowd that goes out there 
And I'm not talking about, you know, some dude named Bob who wants to live his life as Regina. I'm, I'm talking about the people who make a lot of money being activists for this for this movement. Right. Mm-hmm. They act they They act not unlike a terrorist organization in that they will threaten your livelihood. They will threaten your personal safety because if they can, they will dox you and put out all your private information onto the Internet for people to harass you if you say something that's out of step with their belief system. Um, I mean, again, they're not as extreme as something like ISIS, but they operate mm-hmm. with very similar methods uh, to uh, either a terrorist organization or an abusive spouse, right? Because the abusive spouse thing, I say all the time, because you're, you basically say, if you push back against me, you want people to go kill themselves. That's what an abusive spouse does. Mm-hmm. And on that part, David, before we wrap this up, so in <laughs> Pediatrics Magazine, they published um, this 2020 study that was flawed. And it alleged that, well, puberty blockers reduce suicide in teens. Do you want these kids to die? Right. See, that's just it. Right. Yeah. So, and that journal chose that article as the best of 2020. But it... it had all these rebuttals saying actually the rate of attempted suicide was twice as high among the puberty block group in this study as the ones that didn't take it. <laughs> They're actually lying to people, yeah. which I suppose is not a huge surprise, but it is. And I guess it all comes down to this. It's going to take strong people that don't mind taking on the arrows to actually stand up for what's right. And in this case, stand up for kids for crying out loud. Wow. Wow. Do you see Elon Musk has subpoenaed Jack Dorsey for some key information related to that Twitter lawsuit? I want to know about the bots, Jack, before I take ownership of Twitter. No. When it's all said and done, where do you see this thing ending up? I think, actually, Musk is going to end up with Twitter. He might. He might. I don't know. I, I, I flip-flop on this one all the time. No, I, Are you past the point of caring? Yeah, I don't really care. Yeah, I really don't care either anymore. I guess the reason I care is because it seemed like Twitter was starting to switch to a little bit more free speech, and it's receded yeah. a bit. Just and at that part, out. I think it's important. Yep. Jared Kushner speaks. you got to hear this right ahead. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Hey, this is Sean Rima, and you're listening to News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Stay connected. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley. I'm the Gen Xer. The Millennial is David Van Camp. And then the Sexy Boomer is Scott Robbins. Okay. Jared Kushner, son-in-law of President Trump. Yes. Controversial figure. I, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. What's he saying? Uh, Well, the failing New York Times is reporting that Trump had 300 classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. And, of course, now we're back to the news cycle of, he had nuclear weapons there. We don't know any of that, actually. Uh, We don't know what the classified documents would entail. Did you see what Don Jr. said? What what was that? 
if he did have it, it's probably a good thing because that way our foreign adversaries would be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't mess with them after all because right now they look at Biden, they're like, now's the time to strike. Right. All, all the stuff about Area 51, we got to keep it at Mar-a-Lago because, oh, God, <laughs> nobody respects Biden on the world stage, okay? They'll mess with him if they can. Uh, so, yeah, Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, he's got a new book out. He was on Fox and Friends this morning to promote it. And Steve Ducey said, you know, hey, why why would Donald Trump have that amount of classified info just hanging out at Mar-a-Lago? Hmm. So, so I'm not familiar with what exactly the contents were. and But what I'll just say from my personal experience is that, uh, again, in the campaign, in the transition, we had a, a right. very innocent meeting with uh, the Russian ambassador. And then, you know, four months later, you're reading that the intel agencies are leaking to the Washington Post that we requested this secret back channel. And then the New York Times and right. CNN go crazy for a weekend accusing us of treason. And then it turns out such a thing never really happened. And so, you know, I, I just think you have to be very careful with what you read and obviously just wait for the facts to develop. But I mean, there's been so many things that have been hyperventilated about over the last years that turn out to be nothing. Yeah, that it's true. Uh He's a foreign adversary. He's a traitor. Yeah. Yeah, Jared Kushner, the guy that everybody mocked who also helped engineer more peace deals in the Middle East than every other president before Donald Trump combined. Well, Rodman's yeah. not done yet. That's true. Yeah. We don't know what Dennis Rodman's going to do. <laughs> right, yeah. He's going to show up in Yemen, and that civil war is just going to be <laughs> done. Over with. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I bet that's an interesting book. I bet it is, too, actually. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Well, I'm not you... pandering, because I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> I got too many books in front of it to yeah. read it. I'm just being honest. Um, but it'd be one of those, what is it, Blinkist? Yeah, where it's just like, here's the fact from the book. You can read it in like 10 minutes. That I would read. Yeah. I I think it would be pretty interesting. See, don't you think books should come in sound bites too? Well, you could do it that way. Just get a sound bite uh, book on tape. Be like 10 to 15 minutes, your synopsis? Yeah, just would you even listen it. to ten or fifteen minutes? Uh, maybe. Well, it's going to take at least that long to sort of lay it out. Oh, I go down rabbit holes all the time, though. So yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think that's an answer right there. That would work. Um, what's the story about the Pentagon, David? Oh yeah, for the second time now, the Pentagon has denied a request uh, made by the mayor of Washington D.C. to activate the National Guard to help with the thousands of migrants who have been arriving in the nation's capital in recent months. Muro Bowser, for the second time, has asked, hey, we need the National Guard to help. And the, the Pentagon has said, uh, no, that that reduces our military readiness and effectiveness. And this really isn't the National Guard's job to help you at, at your soup kitchens. It's interesting, well, man, how quickly the ideology crumbles when faced with reality when it comes to, well, all manner of things. But, yes. of course, uh, immigration is a big one of those, and border security is a big one of those. You know, when it's just affecting a small town in South Texas or even a major city in South Texas like San Antonio, uh, nobody cares. All oh, you stump-jumping racist rubes in Texas, just you don't, you don't want to embrace immigration and immigrants who built this country. And you then, just have Bowser get a hold of Mayorkas for <laughs> Homeland Security. Right. Um, the border, the border is secure. <laughs> the border, um, we are working to make the border more secure. If it's already secure, why do you need to make it more? Okay, whichever, but it's secure. I don't even know what you're talking about there, Bowser. I mean, you actually got people there, huh? Yeah. 
Better better ask Mayorkas what's going on at the border because these people are ending up here. Right. Uh, Texas has been asking for help forever. They don't get any. Arizona, please help. Nah. <laughs> you guys deal with it. Okay. Good luck to you. Oh, and you too, Mr. Adams, mayor of New York City. Good luck mm-hmm. to you too. Yeah, no yep. kidding. You know what? You talk about those two towns. And what is the first thing you think of outside of this story with migrants being bused yeah. there? If you think of New York City right now, for instance, what do you think of? Crime. Crime-ridden. Yeah. yeah. The crime's crazy. Yes. Did you see this story last night that was on Tucker of Miami? Because Unbelievable. It, I had no idea. I, I had no idea. telling David about this earlier. But if you were to take us back 24 hours ago and someone would have asked us, what do you think about the crime in Miami murder rate? And you had to guess. Would you say it was above average, more murders than your average city? I'd probably guess, you know, based on history and based on the town's reputation, yeah, uh, probably higher than average. Me too. Just, as you said, on the past and on reputation. Sure. And so... Miami Vice. Exactly. CSI Miami. Come on, man. A lot of crime. Oh, now you've unleashed the David Van Camp beast now. If you say CSI Miami, there's a pun coming soon. Don't don't forget about Dexter either. Got that right. That's right. So on Tucker, they have the mayor on that's talking about, well, the crime there. And this was astounding. Well, I'm going to blow your mind away. We actually increased funding for police, so we have the most police officers we've ever had in our history. Whoa. So the question, how are you doing this? What is it, 28 murders so far this year? Yeah, yeah, he'll go through some of the numbers in this clip. It's wild. It's astounding. And how do you do it? Well, you hire more more police, huh? Uh, We've also uh, lowered taxes to the lowest level in recorded history, which has prompted tremendous growth. We grew 12%. I think it's the second most uh, in recorded history as well. We have a 1.4% unemployment. We're the happiest city in America and the healthiest city in America. So it turns out if people are healthy, they're happy, they're working, they're not paying a lot of taxes, and they see uh, uh, an increased police presence, uh, they don't have a tendency to, to commit murder. Um, and, and that's what's uh, been the Miami miracle story. You know, uh, I grew up in Miami. I was born and raised there. I was born in 1977. You know, in the 80s, we had 300-plus homicides. Right now, and I knock on wood here in the, in the studio, we are at uh, 28 year-to-date. Uh, so from 300 plus uh, to 28, and we're hoping uh, the trend continues for the rest of the year. And uh, they're literally, we had to look back in our archives to see uh, when was the last time uh, we were ever that low. And so, like I said, you know, it, it's- before he goes on there, this is how my mind works. Different numbers saying in the 80s, it was high 300 plus, right? Yeah. What was Chicago last year, roughly? Yeah. Cook County was a thousand oh. homicides. Yeah. Three times as much as Miami in the 80s. That's astounding. And then, of course, the other number is 28 this year. Wow. Like I said, you know, it's really a a trusted and true, uh, you know, formula for success. We keep taxes low. We keep people safe. And we lean into innovation to create high-paying jobs. It's uh, sort of the the Miami story, and uh, it's something that uh, should be scaled across America. Absolutely. Well, did you see the intro to the new episode in the new season of CSI Miami? I did not. It's crazy, man. Horatio just walks into an empty warehouse, doesn't see anything going on, and he just says, well, it looks like I'm going to just go to the beach or something. (laughs) 
<laughs> Nothing to do. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And then it became a sitcom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, man. No, I appreciate that. You know, just talking about wisdom, because it seems like, yeah, you, you do these things and you'll have great results, right? Yeah. All right. I know you guys are somewhat familiar with Jordan Peterson. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, some would say intellectual author, podcaster, um, speaker, very common sense, but yet an incredibly intelligent guy. Mm -hmm. And he has, you know, especially over the last five, six years, done a lot for young men across the world, especially young men, as a lot of people would say, didn't have some sort of father figure through tough love of like, clean your room, get some goals, work to become a man. Respect your mother. Yeah, all these different things, right? And there's been a huge backlash against him. Meanwhile, Chris Rufo, when I say his name, what's the first thing you think? Uh, He's been doing a lot of work on the ground exposing critical race theory, and uh, he's getting into uh, gender ideology and things like that in corporate America, in governments, and in schools. Yes. What I didn't know, because I heard Rufo on Peterson's podcast, Rufo was pretty much on the left, was doing documentaries until he kept being faced with the truth, saying, oh, my gosh, there is a better way for people. The way the left is going just sort of, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for anybody. And it's really terrible for the people that it claims to help. And so in their conversation, he offers up why he thinks the left is so adamantly opposed and hard on Jordan Peterson and Chris Rufo. And I just wanted to play it for you guys. And you're giving this kind of time-tested advice about how to grow up, how to take responsibility. Um, and it makes a difference in people's lives. And, and I think the reason why the left is so upset with you, maybe the reason they're so upset with me in, in, in the same token is that they're trying to give advice to the working class that will end up destroying their lives. You're trying to give advice to working class people that will make their lives better. Um, And it exposes the fraudulence of their ideas. It exposes the hypocrisy of their position. And it really exposes uh, uh, the kind of vengeful heart of their ideology. Um, And and, and to me, that's really what, what, what converted me out of the left. I can't spend any more time with these phony people, uh, with these people who are the sons and daughters of immense privilege that are acting, playing revolutionary, trying to impose a set of ideas that I know out of my own observation in all the countries around the world, as well as spending significant time in the poorest places in the United States, lead to nothing but disaster. I just want to stand up right now. Well done. Well done. That's one of the things that he also did, not only doing documentaries and traveling the world and seeing how the rest of the world really works, but spending time in some of our biggest cities and watching leftist policies end in ruin time and time and time again. And, you know, he'll talk about it um, as far as just common sense people have their work cut out for them because you have an entire generation that has been raised through public education to believe all these leftist policies work when they don't yeah and when you have a lot of privileged people and you're basically talking about 
white elites with a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. They want to play revolutionary because it makes them feel better about themselves. Oh, yeah. Instead of truly helping people. Well, well, I mean, you, you just look back in history, and it's a little more than 100 years ago before the Russian Revolution, when communism was really finding root in Russia. It started at universities. It started with well-off college students, essentially, who then sort of idolized working class and, and poor people almost out of a sense of guilt. And what was really interesting is one of the reasons why the initial revolution didn't really start until it then really kicked off with force uh, was because these college kids would go out to rural poor communities and try to convince people that the system was keeping them down and the best way uh, forward was through this communist ideology. And part of that, of course, because of Karl Marx's influence, the entirety of it was based in the idea of giving up your religion. Give up your religion and accept our way of life, and then the revolution can happen. Well, those small-town people, turns out they're not all that dumb. and they're just, they're, They may have been poor, but they weren't stupid, and they told them to get the F out of there. <laughs> they kicked them out. Yes, they yeah, said, they did. bye, yes. you're an idiot. You may be wealthy, and you may be a college student, but you're dumb. Correct. And they don't even know it. <laughs> it's wild, man. Oh, man, there's a story I want to get to. We'll have to get to this coming up. All right. Some people just call it bags. Some people call it cornhole. Oh, ESPN calls it cornhole. Yes. Mm -hmm. Have you heard this story? Is professional cornhole being ruined by bag gate? Uh-oh. Are you familiar with the controversy? It's hilarious. Need to get to that. And somebody's eliminating 3,000 jobs. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. I don't know if you saw it. Ford's going to eliminate 3,000 jobs. Got to cut costs. Um, this is part of reductions across all of Ford's business split into two units earlier this year to separate its electric and internal combustion engine businesses. So they started notifying workers of the reductions yesterday. Mm -hmm. Hate to see that. Yeah, me mm -hmm. too. And the thing is, I see a story like this. The only thing that rings in my head is Van Camp saying, just buy an electric vehicle. Yeah. Because it's the answer to everything. Well, you know, yeah, if, if Ford Motor, Motor Company laid you off because of their switch to electric vehicles, well, you should just go ahead and, and buy one of these vehicles that your former employer is going to churn out, uh, imported from Canada, by the way. Yeah, cool. Good for Canada. Yeah, your job is going to Canada, but, yeah, just buy an electric vehicle if you're mad about it. Okay. I wonder if you have to be vaccinated to sit in one of those before they import it. <laughs> Instead of a key, what you have to do is scan your QR code that shows you've gotten the shot. And, and, and Lord help you if you're if you're not up to date on your vaccinations. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. now if you don't have four, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you can't get in this car. One tire per vaccination. <laughs> Gosh. And then I'm thinking Mayor Pete. <laughs> Well, I know times are tough, but if you get an electric vehicle, you're gonna you're gonna save money. I know you're gonna spend fifty grand, but you'll save money. <laughs> okay, Mayor Pete, uh, I wanted to get to the cornhole story. Uh, professional cornhole being ruined by Baggate—that's the question. 
So I didn't know about it. I read about it. Apparently, there's two major competitive bodies, the American Cornhole League and the American Cornhole Organization. Some people just call it bags. It's a fun game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, in the ACO, your bag has to be filled with plastic resin beads. But in the ACL, the filling can be anything that doesn't damage or create residue on the board. Mm. Okay? Everybody wants an advantage. Yeah. So bags get broken in naturally the more they're used, but that's not fast enough for some players who then illegally resort to fabric softeners and other chemical treatments. We have cheater. <laughs> Another issue, bag manufacturers are flooding the market and paying big bucks to be licensed by the pro leagues. <laughs> and they're not really being held to rigorous standards. We're going to have a bag check before the competition. This is Jack Riccardi. Stay connected to News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071 on Facebook, Twitter, and online at KTSA.com. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Okay, so Texas, the victim of climate change, I'm told. No, please. Okay. What? Well, that's what they say. For years, liberals have been like, man, the climate isn't the weather, whenever someone would say, hey, we got an early snow this year. Uh, What about that global warming thing? Weather isn't climate, you idiot. That's what they would always say. Well, all I know is I'm watching the Today Show because I want to be up to date with the news I need to know. Yeah. Joking, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I did hear this. A new normal with extreme rain events, the result of climate change. It's settled. Yeah. They the re- do this all the time. Yes. Yeah. I said to David, I'm like, so is that settled now? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, they're talking like it's just settled. Because Dallas got a lot of floods because a bunch of rain, like a summer's worth of rain, fell in a 24-hour period. But in this particular case, you can look at it and also say, sort of like Hurricane Harvey in Houston a few years ago, uh, it's not climate change. It's the fact that both of those cities are growing so quickly. Everything's getting paved over. And I don't know if you know this or not, uh, but concrete does not absorb water very well. I've been told that, yes. And so, so, yeah, (laughs) you, you, you get a little bit more flooding. They're acting like it's never flooded in North Texas before. Stevie Ray Vaughan wrote a song about it years ago. Dude, I, you just read my mind because I'm sitting here and going, what's the first thing I thought of? You're acting like this never happens. Down in Texas. <laughs> yeah, that came out in 83. <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan. Too much carbon emissions. <laughs> He's blocking the sun out from the house. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I was told from the old Today Show. <laughs> Just so you know, it's climate change. Okay, you know it's inter- interesting. Is like you see these articles from years ago, right? That oh my gosh, you know hurricanes, for example, hurricane season's getting busier and busier every year. 
because of climate change and they're producing more dangerous storms. And it's like, well, one, actually, NOAA, the federal agency that tracks these things, even says on their website that they don't have definitive proof that uh, hurricanes are getting more frequent or more devastating. They don't know that. And, right. and, and so what, what is happening, though, is that a lot of coastal cities are growing a lot because they happen to be in states that people want to move to for one reason or another. And so when you have that kind of rapid urbanization and expansion, yeah, you're, you're going to get more flooding because that water's got to go somewhere. And so is there a better way to design cities? Sure, but it's not climate change. And then you see the news today that we've gone, what, 51 days into hurricane season without a named storm? That's only happened, what, three times in the last few decades? So that's a good thing. That's a great thing. With that climate change. But Al Gore told me that every year we'd get like 15 Katrinas. Right. I mean, I think I still have the same view that I've had for a while. And I know I'm just a regular Jamoke. Maybe a little slow on the uptake. But it's like it, there might be something to climate change. But when I listen to the so-called experts get together and talk with one another, there are many different podcasts on that where you have these people that the far left hold up in high regard and some people not as much, but they're actually talking about climate change. And some think we're going to die by 2045, and some say no, that, absolutely not. And we'll figure this out by the time we get another 100 years from now. There could be something to it. We're, what, a degree and a half warmer than 50 years ago or 100 years ago, yeah. the actual stat. But I also look at all the predictions that have happened in the last 50 years of what's going to happen from these so-called experts that were held in high regard. Mm -hmm. And, well, zero of them have been right. So, sorry, a little skeptical. Not saying that you're not open-minded to information, but you got to be careful who you trust with the information. I don't know if you noticed, but people that we've held in high regard, especially over the last five years, have been full of crap. Right. Often oh. for their own gain. How many times have we heard that the glaciers are all going to be gone by X this year? Oh, yeah. Or the year before that, or the year before that, or by, you know, 1993 or 2013 or whatever. And the seas will rise and... You know, I mean, we've been hearing this stuff forever. I know. So right. Miami's going to be underwater. Right. I mean, all once that you stuff start hearing stuff over and over again that doesn't come true, yeah. yeah, it's okay to be skeptical. Yeah, Miami was actually supposed to be underwater, I think, a couple of years ago. It's, it's not underwater. Okay. A new normal with extreme rain events, the result of climate change. <gasps> it's done. Settled. Settled for so, that dude. Okay. Aquaman Miami next <laughs> on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> So who is it that's criticizing Trump for taking some paperwork from the White House? Who oh, is it? Uh, it's the dude who slept with a Chinese spy. No, the, it's not. Yeah, it is. So the failing New York Times is reporting that Trump had 300 classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, and MSNBC's Chris Hayes decided to talk about this with Representative Eric Swalwell. This is the guy who literally had an affair with a Chinese spy and whose family still corresponds with said uh, Chinese spy. Wow. Fang Fang. Yes. Okay, let's Very worried about Mar-a-Lago. There were 300 classified documents, apparently, uh, at Mar-a-Lago, which, again, Jeez. I think... The, yeah, <laughs> yeah what, what do you make of that number? <laughs> this is that's, that's a lot. And, and just for your viewers' sake, 
The reason that they're marked top secret means that uh, it often relates to force protection for our troops. So information about where our troops are uh, that we would not want anyone to know because it could put them in harm's way. It could relate to our nuclear posture or the nuclear posture uh, of our adversaries. It could relate to the technical means uh, that we use to collect information to protect our troops and to protect Americans or the work that we're doing to combat terrorism. And so 300 pages... You slept with a Chinese spy! Right. <laughs> you, you can't make it up, dude! 300 pages, you know, just, uh, you know, a basement uh, stairway away uh, in an open, you know, beach house is not where you would want that information, especially in the hands of somebody who President Biden deemed should not even be able to receive classified information. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's embarrassing, man, but I almost have to respect the shamelessness. That this guy, again, who was intimately involved with literally a Chinese spy, is praising a president whose crackhead son was running around the globe uh, making corrupt business deals with our adversaries and frenemies, uh, and apparently Joe Biden getting a cut of that, is now mad because Donald Trump had some paperwork at Mar-a-Lago that was under lock and key. I'm sorry, man. My mind has moved on. I, it's astounding to me. And now all I want, David, is for you to write a parody song okay. about Fang Fang to She Bangs. <laughs> I, I would love she it. Bangs, she Bangs! She Bangs! <laughs> oh, baby! She... Fang Fang! Yeah. Fang she Fang bangs. something. I don't know. There's something there. I can just yeah. sense that, your greatness in that, David. Actually, the original really does uh, apply to the relationship that Eric Swalwell and Fang Fang had. Well, there's more it of does. the William Hung version. <laughs> sure. I go crazy because she looks like a flop, but she stings like a bee, <laughs> like every girl in history. <laughs> we know that guy's name. <laughs> Delilah to Samson, Fang Fang to Swalwell. Oh, my goodness. It's incredible. Okay. Uh, you know, Biden is ready to make sure that people that have student loan debt, they're struggling. We want to forgive at least ten grand of that. Mm-hmm. We're expecting an announcement on that as soon as tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow is, is what they're saying. And, and the, the details are not uh, set in stone just yet. The only thing that seems to be circulating is individuals making under $125,000 qualify for up to $10,000 in debt forgiveness. Well, I see this from CNBC. Mm-hmm. About 60% of Americans worry the student loan forgiveness is going to make inflation worse. What? Mm-hmm. It it might. You know, that, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, it, again, it's like I'm of two minds of this because one, you would, you would theoretically, obviously, yes, it's going to make inflation worse. But at the same time, I remember now that because of our reaction to COVID, Payments on those loans have been suspended for what two years now? Yeah, more than that. Yeah, going to end on the thirty first. So I, I, I don't really know. It's sort of like the damage has already been done. I don't really know that it would increase inflation anymore. Whatever inflation or whatever it would add to inflation, it's already been done because the cat people haven't been paying them the loans. Well, uh, okay, so this is no research at all. It's mm-hmm. anecdotal. Okay, there might be someone I know that's going to have to make a student loan payment here within the next month. Yeah. And if that 10 grand gets canceled, I guarantee you that person is buying an Apple Watch. 
because that's what they really want. They've been saving for it, but they just haven't had the dough and knowing that they're going to have some payments coming up. Mm -hmm. Well, it helps with a down payment on an electric car, too. There you go. (laughs) 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 Just wait for Boot Edge Edge (laughs) to give that suggestion. No, you're saving money, that 10 grand. Why not invest in an electric vehicle? Go for it. Yes. Um, I don't know. Been a lot of talk about this. Did you guys see or hear the new Ron DeSantis ad? Yes. David, yes. did you? Yeah, I saw it. So okay. you didn't dig it? Yeah, I, it, I thought it was. It, it was dad jokey. It was. I thought mm-hmm. it was kind of dumb, to be honest. Okay. It. Like it's fine. I'm not scandalized by it. I just kind of thought it was stupid. There is a video element to it that is top gunish. For sure, but I think you also picked that up from the audio, just to roll a bit of it. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your governor speaking. Today's training evolution, dogfighting, taking on the corporate media. The rules of engagement are as follows. Number one, don't fire unless fired upon, but when they fire, you fire back with overwhelming force. Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill. Number two. Yes, so he's given examples of what he says. Right. Never, ever back down from a fight. If I could complete the question, though. So you're going to give a speech or ask a question? Number three, don't accept their narrative. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative, and you don't care about the facts. It's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's turn and burn. Kid says turn and burn. Okay. So you didn't think it was that great, David. You liked it, Scott. I did like it, yeah. I think there is an element of cheese to it, but at least to me, DeSantis is in on the joke. I think think it's a little tongue-in-cheek, yeah. I I think so, but it it just, eh. It didn't land with me. See, there's a little pilot pun. Yes. (laughs) Well, for a lot of people that saw Top Gun, I still haven't talked to too many people that didn't like that movie. Most people like, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. He's sort of capitalizing on that too. Sure, why not? I thought it was, you know, pretty effective. Um, which brings up another conversation when you're talking about DeSantis. Is he going to run for president? And if he does, who's going to come out of that? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Trump or DeSantis? And I know mm-hmm. what we would have said, or what at least you guys said like three weeks ago. Yeah. And then it had changed last week. Is it changing again? Get to that. Fauci keeps running his mouth. (laughs) We'll get to that as well. Straight ahead. Hi, this is Trey Ware, and you're listening to News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Stay connected. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. What does Fauci say now? Are you just trolling everybody by playing this, David? Just question. Oh, I I think so, yeah. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci announced he's stepping down from his role in the federal government in December, so just ahead of the new Congress being sworn into office. And a lot of people, including us on this show, noticed, boy, that timing is interesting, isn't it? What was predicted? Yeah, you you think, you know, well, a new Congress may be seated in the House of Representatives. Uh, we'll probably flip over to Republicans, which means they'll be in charge of the committees, uh, which means I'm going to get hauled in. Might as well be able to fight that subpoena power a little bit better. Uh, 
or be in a better position to do so if I'm not actually a, a paid member of the federal government. So, Just like Francis Collins. Yep. On CNN this morning, Fauci was asked if the threat of investigations and oversight had anything to do with him stepping down. Oh, well, I'm sure he's honest as always. Well, yeah. None at all, Caitlin. Really, none at all. N- not even a slight amount. Uh, I have nothing to hide, and I can defend everything I've done. If once you've retired, Republicans want you to go testify, would is that something you would do? Sure, I certainly would consider that. But you've got to remember, I believe oversight is a very important part. Hold on a second. I would consider it. Yeah. You've, you've got nothing to hide. Why wouldn't you just say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that should be a full-throated endorsement, right? Well, of of course. course I will. Sniffing one out there. Of government structure. And I welcome it and can be productive. Huh. But what has happened up to now is more of a character assassination no, than it hasn't. oversight. No. So, sure, I'd be happy to. No, you go back to the questions that's been asked of him. That's not character assassination. That's questioning decisions and the sleight of hand on your facts that aren't facts. So, sure, I'd be happy to cooperate so long as we make it something that is a dignified oversight, <laughs> which it should be. Okay. Oh, and not just bringing up ridiculous things and attacking my character. That's not oversight. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lay back. Can I, I've gone off on Fauci enough. Anybody else want to fill the void? Just to lighten the mood a little bit, uh, yeah. can I play part of Tucker Carlson's monologue oh. on this? Jeez. Absolutely. On, on, on how, how upset some people were about it. Sure, the chaos, if you can, in the organic chaga aisle at Whole Foods in Brookline. <laughs> try to envision the panic and hysteria that must have broken out at espresso bars in Edgartown. <laughs> in Aspen, and Santa Monica, and Bethesda, is thousands of masked ladies in Lululemon discovered all at once that the one religious leader they still revered, their own even tinier version of the Dalai Lama, <laughs> had decided to retreat forever from public life. It was, ladies and gentlemen, the equivalent of a targeted nuclear device detonated over the most emotionally vulnerable elements of our most privileged population. You can picture the carnage, the wailing, the swooning, manicured hands clutched to breasts and fumbling for Xanax in expensive handbags. <laughs> Not since the orange man seized the White House in a Russian coup have more 46-year-old Cornell-educated lawyers with weak husbands wept <laughs> shamelessly in public. That was great. That was good. <laughs> By the way, meanwhile, uh, there's no problem at the border. The border's secure. Uh-huh. Except for that 1.5 million fentanyl pills that were seized by Border Patrol agents. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is crazy what's going on right there. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Biggest story of the day so far, David. Uh, it looks like uh, more and more people are getting confirmation that, yeah, there is going to be some form of student loan debt uh, forgiveness announced tomorrow from the Biden administration. And it looks like it's $10,000, which is just enough to tick everybody off, basically, because most of us don't want to pay other people's bills for them. Uh, But then also the pro side of the student loan debt cancellation is a little mad because it's so low. It's basically like, hey, you're spending a lot of money to accomplish very little. What's the purpose of this? (laughs) Okay. It's so infuriating for so many people. So more on that. And a school district bans critical race theory and trans activism. Straight ahead.
San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Hey, this is Sean Rima. Stay connected with News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071 on Facebook, Twitter, and online at KTSA.com. Hey. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley. <laughs> the Millennial David Van Camp. The Sexy Boomer Scott Robbins. Mm-hmm. I can't even see what David's laughing about. He's oh. laughing about pictures of Jerry Nadler, Captain Nads, and I can only picture it in my head. No, there, so so he's on the campaign trail, and he's going up against another Democratic Party veteran because districts got uh, redrawn in New York, um, and so it's him versus uh, Carolyn Maloney. And you know, the the question is, you know, which one of these establishment Dems actually will win out in the end? Well, Jerry Nadler, he's hitting the bricks, going out and trying to trying to meet people, shake hands and whatnot. So he posts a bunch of pictures of him awkwardly standing next to just random people in the street. <laughs> and, you know, he's so so he's 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 a goofball. He looks weird. And, yeah, I don't necessarily want to just make fun. He can't help it. He can't help that he looks weird. But he well, OK, he wow. does, though, have, you know, the pot belly a little bit. And he's got. His uh, suit pants hiked up right under his nips, and right. he's well weird. above the belly button. Well yeah, above the, yeah. the yeah. belly button, and so he's. It looks like he's wearing waders, honestly. Yes, like it really right. does. I mean, he does. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like because he's got the suspenders on, so it does kind of look like he's 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 out there bibbing in New York. Um, and there is a there's a Twitter account called My Willow Meme. That says for every 100 likes, I will go into Photoshop and raise Jerry's waistline a little bit higher. And so it's like after two photos, the you know pants are over his head, and then they're <laughs> over the globe. And then there's a picture of Jerry Nadler's pants going over the sun. And they added <laughs> they added that picture of Donald Trump staring directly at the solar eclipse. <laughs> So sorry. <laughs> See, that one got me during the break. I admit That's it. Fine, man. Oh, man. We're always looking for news updates. Sometimes you stumble on something. It's usually, that really... it's right before we come back. <laughs> yeah, David will start laughing. Then you got to go with it. Then yeah, takes you off your game a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, you around, think about Jerry Nadler. Seriously, around the sun. That yeah. visual. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that guy's been around forever. Oh yeah. yeah. And so, I think this is worth playing just for a second on this detour. And I think this is the clip when he's asked, hey, about your accomplishments, because this is with Carol Maloney, who he's going up against. You know, as far as accomplishments go, Captain Nats, what, what do you got there? An insurrectionist Republican Party uh, for the first time in our history trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power. Now, uh, therefore, I, have, I, I am leading the fight to, uh, to stop this, and, that, and I have passed the... Uh, uh, Two impeachments, and my in leading this, I've impeached uh, Bush twice. <laughs> Bush, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, remember that time, impeachments. Remember that time is a press conference that he was waddling away from the uh, from the lectern, and it looked like he pooped himself. Oh yeah. And the thing oh, is, yeah. nobody really knew. Like, is he having health issues, or did he actually just drop a deuce in his pants? Maybe that's why he keeps the waistline up so it, high. It could be. <laughs> or when he was asked about Antifa, it was the summer of love. Oh, yeah. 
Portland's burning down. Didn't he say it was a myth? Do you disavow yeah. that Antifa? That's happening in Portland right now? That's, 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 that, that's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. It's only a myth being spread here. It's not really happening. Right. Captain Nads, for your pleasure. The only myth is that Jerry Nadler actually has a belly button. Maybe that's why he keeps it on so high, because he doesn't know where the reference point is. Now they're mixing it up with just ordinary people. Children are crying and running the other direction. <laughs> All right, saw this. The inspector general is saying that uh, our government left more than $7 billion in military equipment to the Taliban. Yeah. Yeah. I know we left a lot of stuff there because that was the advice, right? Ah, instead of all the costs of bringing yeah. it back, just leave it there. Right. What's a big deal? <laughs> what an absolute debacle. Well, and I remember saying at the time, is anyone going to get fired for this? We've never seen anything like this. No one got fired. No. Oh, the uh, Lloyd Austin, Defense Secretary, I think, didn't he say at the time we exceeded expectations? They yeah. and our commanders yeah. exceeded all expectations. <laughs> we plan to execute between 70 and 80,000. We plan to evacuate between <laughs> 70 and 80,000 people. What a debacle. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know, it, it's good that no one got fired because these are the same geniuses that are sending billions and billions and billions of dollars in direct aid and in military equipment to Ukraine. And so we all know that they definitely dot all the I's and cross all the T's when that happens. We, and we've added to that? They just announced it. Yeah, we just announced, our country just announced another $3 billion arms package to Ukraine. Well, to mark their Independence Day, you see. You got to honor the Independence Day of Ukraine. Right. We don't have any money. No, we don't. And Europe's not committed to anything now. They're letting us finance this whole damn thing. And we keep doing it, and we do nothing about the southern border. Yeah, well, Joe's protecting his investments in Ukraine, all right? A lot of things that they would not want anyone to find out about with uh, Hunter and Ukraine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And we're hoping at some point in time there's going to be an inclusive Taliban. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, moving on. Uh, school district has banned critical race theory and trans activism. Yeah, well, this is another school district, and it's brought out the weirdos uh, when they banned critical race theory and trans activism in elementary schools and whatnot. This is a Grapevine Colleyville Independent School District in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, they adopted a new policy on library books and also now require, well, boys to use the boys' restroom, girls to use the girls' restroom, and dudes can't play girls' sports. Now, most people would say, obviously, that has to be a policy. <laughs> Crazy that that has to be a policy because that's kind of just common sense, right? Not in today's world, though. Uh, apparently, that's hateful. Uh, nearly 200 people showed up last night at the school board meeting to give their thoughts on it. Uh, a lot of people were actually supportive of it, but the liberal whack jobs were out in force. And I just put together a little roundup from uh, the public comment section to give you a, a taste of what these lunatics believe. Okay. Thank you for that, I think. Go ahead and roll it. It's cruel. 
That's not good. That's not Christian. Your job is... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. It's not good. It's not Christian. What does that mean? What's not Christian? It's not Christian to say that only boys can use the boys' restroom and only girls can use the girls' restroom or locker room and that boys can't uh, play sports against girls. Said who? Well, can you explain that said, one, dude? Said that guy's Bible. Oh, okay. Is that the new woke Bible? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it rewritten. Comes, it comes with whiteout. I don't know if you do. <laughs> yeah, second chapter of Ibram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The job is to protect the most vulnerable of our student body, and you are doing the opposite with these policies. So we all know uh, that. No, that's a great talking point. What about the girls that don't want anyone in their restroom? What about them? Doesn't that make them vulnerable? Does anyone ever think about that? Gosh. So we all know that these policies are very extremist, and they're also hateful. We all know we it. We all know it. Because yeah. I we heard it on MSNBC. It. We know it. Everybody knows. No, that's not true. Go ahead. Lots of transgender youth experience suicidal tendencies. 45% no. of LGBTQ seriously consider suicide. And four times more likely suicide rate in teenagers and LGBTQ, and now you're calling them out. Do you want that? <laughs> this is where it usually goes, right? Yep. Oh, they're going to kill themselves. Yeah. Okay. All right. You want that blood on your hands? <laughs> this policy is going to kill kids. Know that. Yeah. Know that. You know, they say like the 45% or 35% or whatever have suicidal tendencies and thoughts, which is actually in line with the general youth population. And we should be really worried about that for everybody. That, that, mm -hmm. That's a totally different conversation. But this is where the, the leftist whack jobs go all the time. Uh, because they have the same kind of thinking, again, as an abusive spouse or partner, where, well, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill myself. You want kids to die. I mean, it's this emotional terrorism that they unleash on people uh, that they disagree with. You can't have a reasonable conversation with these people, so I'm glad the school board says, okay, we're just not going to listen to you. Yeah, well, you're not bringing facts into it. I mean, that's the go-to. They're going to kill themselves. Well, I just read the study where the people that were put on puberty blockers are three times more likely to want to kill themselves than kids that weren't. And that if a kid has gender dysphoria at age 12, it's anywhere between low 80s and sometimes over 90% chance that they will have no want to transition once they're 18. So why would you want to play along with this instead of get them good counseling? Why do you want to play pretend and open up the bathroom? No. Absolutely not. I mean, we could get into this and go into what we really need is school choice. And whatever money you're putting into the system, you get to choose where your kid wants to go. And you want to have, you know, whack job school where you're doing critical race theory and trans activism, okay, but not public school, where a lot of kids don't have another choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Get the out of here with all that. Thank you for the audio, David. Yeah. Um, boy, speaking of schools, okay, kids' backpack, sometimes filthy, right? Do you know how many more germs a kid's backpack has than your phone? How many more germs it has more than my phone? Yeah. Okay, no. Mm -hmm. I, I, well, I was talking actually to David. 
oh. your phone, the kid's backpack couldn't compete with that. What's wrong with my phone? Well, you never clean it. <laughs> what? Okay, I don't want to be unfair. When's the last time you cleaned it? Like wiped off the screen? Is that like, what you're referring to? Like, yeah, with some sort of wipe. I don't know, probably three or four days ago. I've got the little handy wipes at home. I use them with my glasses. <laughs> really? Yeah, really. Okay. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Do you believe him, David? Well, I, I don't know. Or I saw... not, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Why but, are you always yeah. asking me for a glasses cleaner then? Well, I mean, well, I... it depends. If I don't bring them with me, if <laughs> oh. I'm here in the studio, got yeah. it. Okay. I, I know. I did see Anthony Fauci actually in the studio earlier today. He was swabbing it because he thought maybe there'd be a cure for Ebola on the screen of his phone. So, <laughs> and maybe there's... it's thirty times as the answer. A kid's backpack has thirty, 30 times, times more germs than the average phone. Oh, oh I bet because you know you go into the restroom uh. or whatever, you sit it down on the floor, you know, mm-hmm. or, or you know wherever it goes. Yes. It's gross. and you never wash the backpack. You never. I know. You never throw them in the. You can. You can throw them in the washing machine, but no one ever does. All right. I'm getting out the wipe right now, and I'm wiping down my backpack after seeing this story. <laughs> so, just the fact that it's in this studio. Yeah. Man, oh, man. The asbestos studio down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> New sponsor for the studio. That's right. Run live from the asbestos the studio. <laughs> okay. Oh, and if your coworkers are quiet quitting, it means more than you think. Straight ahead, right here. San Antonio's News, Traffic, and Weather Station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. San Antonio's News, Traffic, and Weather Station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Oh, well, you know, there's been all this talk from the media about whether or not Liz Cheney would pick up the mantle and run for president after her whatever 30-point loss in a primary in her own state. state. So, yeah, it's always it's all wishful thinking, but YouGov decided to do a poll asking people, you know, in a hypothetical matchup. It's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, and Liz Cheney's there as an independent. And what they found was really interesting. She would actually take more support from Joe Biden than from Donald Trump, according to their poll. It's YouGov. You know, take that for what it's worth. But I think that's really funny. That is funny. It, God, I hope it, she runs. It it's... does kind of stand to reason, though, because the people who who would be more likely to really love the Liz Cheney storyline right now would be probably more conservative Democrats who, you know, who who really, you know, want norms and all of this, you know, talk about norms all the time ad nauseum, who never really were in love with the idea of Joe Biden, but he was not Trump. Mm-hmm. So it does actually kind of stand to reason that he would take more liberal Republican voters and more conservative Democratic voters, and they would go to Liz Cheney, and everybody else would be like, Liz Cheney sucks, who cares? And Donald right. Trump wins. <sighs> wow. So even though he really can't stand her, she mm. could end up helping him. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Saw this. You know, this story's been out for a few days from the Wall Street Journal. But it's like the number one red story there for like over a week, it seems like. And it's that whole quiet quitting thing that's gotten a lot of attention. Oh, yeah. Seeing if your coworkers are quiet quitting, here's what that means. You know, they're just coasting. They don't care that much about it. They're just kind of checking out a little bit. 
but it's a little more nuanced in this piece. And this part is interesting to me because there's all these TikTok videos out there. Apparently, they didn't get the memo. You need to get TikTok off your phone immediately because you're being tracked. But anyway, so they're putting videos out there talking about how they're quiet quitting, right? And some people, they're just not going to put in any extra, do the bare minimum, get by, and get out of the workplace, right? And so some people are, are coming back, though, and saying, well, hold on a second. It's, it's not just about that. It's about prioritizing your life. So there was one guy they talked to in the story, Clayton Ferris. He's 41. I heard the term and said, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I just refuse to let work worries rule over me the way they used to. Um, saying the most interesting part, nothing's changed. I still work just as hard. I still get just as much accomplished. I just don't stress and internally rip myself to shreds. That part doesn't seem so bad to me. Oh, no, not at all. But if you're just coasting doing the very you know, bare minimum, that's probably costing your other workers extra work. That's the way it usually goes. So, you know, talking about this one younger lady, Paige West, 24, overextended herself at a former position as a transportation analyst in D.C. She said she was so stressed that her hair was falling out. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. That's what happened to mine. Even though that might be an obvious yeah. joke, it's still got me. No, it's nowhere to live, I'll tell you that. Well, that's what she was saying. Mm-hmm. So, And that part, man, if it's driving you that crazy, yeah, you probably need to get out of there. But I think the main takeaway for a lot of people is just do the best that you can. No one's saying overextend, but at least do the best you can while you're there. This is the Mark McMahon Camp and Robert Show. Hi, this is Trey Ware. Stay connected with News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071 on Facebook, Twitter, and online at KTSA.com. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. I think Van Camp is just trolling us today with clips from Tony Fauci. He's oh, yeah. retiring. He wants to get out before he's questioned by Congress. Yeah. We predicted it. We weren't the only ones, but it's happening. And he is saying what now? Oh, well, uh, he, so after he announced he's stepping down from his role in the federal government in December... Uh, he was interviewed by MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, and Maddow brought up the criticism he got in the 80s over the HIV and AIDS epidemic. Because he, you know, he would, it, basically, if you've seen the movie Dallas Buyers Club, Fauci's the bad guy in that movie. The, you know, blocking uh, readily available treatments that were able to help, but, you know, the federal government was so sluggish, and he was one of the key players initially in not letting people get access to medications because, well, we haven't really dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. Right. And 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 part of that, too, okay, you tell me if this is unfair. The big takeaway from a lot of people was he wanted to be the hero in that scenario. Yeah, if he didn't get the credit, then then he didn't want 
it to be available to anybody. And in fairness, because of a public pressure campaign, he did actually cave uh, after a few years of this um, and decided to loosen up and advocate for loosening up. He didn't give people during the COVID uh, pandemic that kind of benefit of the doubt ever. But, you know, I guess you would think that someone would have learned something from the AIDS epidemic, but he didn't. Uh, But anyway, he says, well, the criticism now over COVID is totally different than HIV AIDS. Okay. When you examined what they were saying and what they were asking for, they were entirely correct. So they opened our eyes, my eyes particularly, which made me actually turn into one of them and an AIDS activist because we learned from them and we learned that we were being too rigid from a clinical trial standpoint and from a regulatory standpoint. Hey, you don't have to share anything personal there. I don't need to know. It turned you into whatever. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even quite sure what he meant by that, but okay. Well, not... What about what about the the anti-lockdown people, no, Tony? I'm, I'm actually he... stepping down because I have monkeypox. <laughs> <laughs> and the FDA modernized their approach based on that, too. Hmm. What we're dealing with now yeah. is just a, 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 a distortion of reality, How? Rachel. I mean, conspiracy theories which don't make any sense at all. You mean like it came from the lab? I mean, they don't make any sense at all. They're not conspiracy theories. Of course, there's other arguments out there, and they make total sense. Yes. Stop it with that. Pushing back on sound public health measures, you know, <laughs> like making what? it look like... Are you talking about masks? Yeah. Is that a joke? You said if you get the vaccine, you're not going to spread it. And you're not going to get it. Leaving your groceries on the porch for 24 hours? I mean, what? <laughs> Seriously, look at all the nutty stuff we did. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Tony. Trying to save lives is encroaching on people's freedom. That's a big difference from the AIDS activists who really had a good foundation for their objections. Okay. All right. So you don't lay out any of the facts you're talking about. They're just generalizations. People not dealing in reality. What specifically are you talking about? But people yeah. that are trying to lie, that's what they usually do. They don't like specifics. But that revisionist history, uh, now that you people are seemingly on my side and I need as many in my coalition as I can get, you right. taught me something. Thank right. you. Give me a break. <laughs> A joke. It is, dude. I the whole thing with him. I'm just looking forward to when he's actually questioned on specifics and he has to give answers. We'll see how it's covered at that time. Um, something else that's going on. Well, speaking of Tony Fauci, you know, someone considers him a hero and a, a privilege to work with for a long time, and that is Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director. Um. And, you know, she was on the Today Show today, and they said that she has tiny shoes to fill, big shoes to fill. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Somebody does when they replace Tony Fauci. But I thought this was interesting because as the CDC has come out with their statements saying, hey, we, we kind of booted it, you know. Well, you know what? I'll do this. I'll play how Hoda sets this up, the first question for Walensky. Okay. Okay, because it seems like Hoda's going to hold somebody accountable here. 
Okay, because this is what you said, Rochelle. Reading your response to what happened during COVID, and you said, quote, we're responsible for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communication. Uh, you made that apology. But my question is this. I think now the bigger issue is trust. When people see the CDC, how do they again start believing what the CDC is saying? Okay. How do people start believing again what the CDC is saying? A good question. You tell me whether or not she answers the question. Roll it. Good morning, Hoda. Good to be with you. Look, for 75 years, CDC and truly all of public health in this nation have been preparing for something like the size and scope of COVID-19. And I think we need to recognize that in our big moment, our performance didn't reliably meet the expectations of this country. And that's exactly why I called for this reset, while I called for this review. Time out. She's reading (laughs) from what she's already put out into the public. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's restating it. What about how are you going to get the public to trust in you again? We have some extraordinary people at the CDC who are often up all night to protect America's health. And my goal really as we hit this reset was to have a new public health action-oriented culture that really emphasizes, as you said, accountability, that emphasizes collaboration with our public health partners across the country, communication to the American public, and timeliness with our information to the American public. You're reading off a sheet of corporate BS speak. This is, I thought she was getting lessons in PR. What happened? Again, sometimes you just have players that are not coachable. They're not. They, where no matter what, they may have potential, they may have raw talent or whatever, but for whatever reason, they just can't be coached. They, the coaches can't get through to them. In this case, though, if you really were doing a retooling of the CDC, because you have to recognize a lot of the country doesn't trust you. Correct. And you can say, if you're on the inside, I'm sure some people would say this, just the devil's advocate here, would say, well, it's unfair, it's because of misinformation, whatever. You know, I, I don't think the criticism is unfair at all, but if you wanted to have that, well, I'm sorry, perception is reality, and people have perceived you accurately, in my opinion, that you're a, a corrupt bunch of losers. And so that's a technical term. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really wanted to change the perception of the CDC, you would make a show of firing people left and right. Who were the yep. people responsible for blown calls? It's Don over there or Jane over there or whoever it is. Make a show out of it and say, this is the person who was taking talking points directly from teachers' unions and uh, and advocating for school shutdowns, advocating for masking toddlers in daycare centers and whatnot against the science and all in favor of the political benefits of it that they saw at least. Make a show of firing those people. Yes. Of course, then I push back on that, David, to say... But you were the last line of defense. You're the decision maker at the end because you're running the place. So you make a big show of firing everybody, and then you quit. You resign. Yes, you fire yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, but at least at I'm least incompetent. Say, I'm going to fire myself. It, just generalizations. Gosh dang, it drives you crazy. So you know what? And I'll get this in the next half hour because there's another part where she has to answer the question of monkeypox. And if you have the right sense of humor, you're just going to find it hilarious.
Okay, so I'll save that. Okay. They can rebuild trust by beach towels, key fobs. <laughs> Just give stuff away. Why not? Trinkets, back scratchers. Sure, of course. You know, put them all together in a gift bag. You know, in California, there's, you know, the drought and there's rations on water. I don't know if you heard that or not. Yeah. Some people are ignoring that for their pools and landscaping, and that would be some L.A. celebrities. Yeah, the elite. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't matter to us. Did you see this story? No. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, Kevin Hart, Dwayne Wade, and the Kardashians, just some of the big-name celebs who have been issued notices of exceedance by their local water district. The L.A. Times has been reporting on this. Okay, they live 30 miles east of Los Angeles, but, you know, sometimes, what are you going to do? Like, Sylvester Stallone? Is this a spokesperson talking about, well, hold on, man. We got, we got these trees. The trees are going to die if we don't get some water to the trees. It's more, more than 500 of them. They need water or they will die. I think that's what their lawyer said. Mm. So they used 533% more than the allocated amount. Whoa. So that was an increase of 230,000 gallons in June. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the little people are scraping off ice out of their freezer to water mm -hmm. their lawn and whatnot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, they put a drip pan under their car so that when the condensation off the AC falls down, they can capture that moisture. But, yeah, all these, all these Hollywood celebrities who lecture us all the time about climate change and reducing your carbon footprint and respecting the environment – you got to understand, i got a lot of trees on my estate. Yeah. Stallone's got three fire hoses. Right. Yeah, so when I fly home again on that private jet, if you're one of the Kardashians, okay, I want some trees to look at. I can't have them die. To be fair, they only use more than 100,000 gallons over the ration. Okay. Not sure what Kim is doing right now, but the clock's ticking. She better pass that bar exam by the end of the year, David, or you owe me money. Yeah. Get That's on still on on that one. Okay, much more to get to. Oh, did you see what the Trump message for Mitch McConnell? Oh, gosh, yeah, I did see that. Holy cow. Yeah, that's that's a bit brutal. Need to get to that. And then the CDC director tackling the question of monkeypox. You don't want to miss it. Straight ahead. Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Uh, politically speaking, uh, Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell not exactly on the same page. Whew. Been that way for a while. Yeah. So you've heard a little bit about the Senate and talk of Trump candidates, Trump-approved candidates, not getting some of the help from the Republican Party as others. Trump frustrated by it, mm -hmm. put out a message on truth social. Did you see this? No. Why do Republican senators allow a broken down hack politician, Mitch McConnell, <laughs> to openly disparage hardworking Republican candidates for the United States Senate? Boom. Broken down hack wow. politician. This is such an affront to honor and to leadership. He should spend more time in parentheses, and money 
helping them get elected, and less time helping his crazy wife and family get rich on China. <laughs> and the beat goes on. I mean, it didn't. I mean, Trump's sitting on a couple hundred million dollars that was Wait. supposedly raised to help MAGA candidates. What are you saying, David? I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm I'm saying he's not exactly opening up the war chest either, David. <laughs> Okay. Mitch McConnell did just, like, what, push uh, $20 million or something like that into the Ohio Senate race to help out J.D. Vance? Yeah, just did, yeah. So, yes. Yeah. We'll see how all that that, goes. That's a lot coming from Donald Trump. And, you know, listen, you you want me to pick between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump? I mean, it's Donald Trump, but that's weak sauce, man. Sorry. That's... David, who's a really nice guy, but he did a, a very poor job at this particular task. Start writing some checks then, dude. <laughs> yeah, we'll see where that goes, man. I'm just kicking back, enjoying someone calling Mitch a broken down hack politician. <laughs> and his crazy wife. <laughs> see, you just... here we go. Here we go. Insult the guy and his wife. Oh, yeah. dude, here we go. Um... Oh, I told you, David, I could uh, troll you one way or another. It depends on what you want. You want, uh, from the Today Show, um, a little thing about teachers, or do you want to go to the monkeypox story? Um, let's, let's I guess do, we talked about monkeypox. Let's do we? the mon- monkeypox thing, yeah. All right. Now, this is a, it goes for just a bit, um, but see if you find the hilarity in this that I did. Go. I'm hearing some of the same complaints about monkeypox that we heard about COVID-19. Uh, testing, vaccines, slow response. What do you say to people who say, like, I feel like I've seen this movie before? You know, these are two very different infections. Um, one is a respiratory infection. One is a an infection that is uh, transmitted through skin-to-skin contact. What is interestingly the same about them is that... No, what? no. It what? Is, what? It is. Yeah, I suppose it can be spread that way, but you can call it that. But I mean, yeah, the the vast majority of cases have come from dudes who like to go, you know, dumpster diving with with a bunch of strangers. Yes, that I, I that was a little misleading. Yeah. I think that was the old line. I, I thought the new line was, "Hey, you got to be clear with people." <laughs> exactly what is causing this because yeah. that was the criticism that you didn't let people know it's yeah, hey you like, you that community this could be you dude, dude showing up on mass at the bathhouse they're not just like rubbing mm-hmm. elbows together okay yeah, they're it's not, not it's not skin to skin contact it's not shirts and skins at the y you're bumping <laughs> oh boy bumping into go. somebody on a hard pick yeah. <laughs> okay here well, we go kind of okay, okay. all right uh covid we we knew a little about scientifically we know a lot more about monkeypox but this is something most of america most clinicians most physicians most of the community had really never heard of either and so we have a lot of education have had a lot of education to do on both of the accounts we at cdc have had similar challenges with our ability to see the data again our- you've had the data you didn't tell people right no they they wouldn't. you were asked the question before how can people start to trust you you're still lying 
States and jurisdictions are not compelled to share those data with us. Oh, we not our fault. We do have plenty of testing on hand for monkeypox, um, uh, but it mm -hmm. does require a rash in order to be tested. And so part of what we've been doing is talking to community members, those most likely to get infected with monkeypox, and then also talking to clinicians about what to look for so that they know how to do the test. What to look for? How about a rash? You got a rash. Yeah, Stay home rash. from the bathhouse, okay? Chances are 98% is monkeypox. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay. Biggest story of the day. <laughs> Just these people can't stop <laughs> lying about No, they can't. Weeding my garden or <laughs> Right. What happened? <laughs> yeah, was it was it league night at the bowling alley or <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy>. <laughs> <laughs> was it what you were doing at the bathhouse a little yeah, little while ago? I'm, I'm uh, guessing it's that second one. Yeah, yeah. Just avoid that activity. Yeah, just just do that. It's, it's, well, we don't want to stigmatize <laughs> you people. <laughs> you locked kids out of school for two years and told people they couldn't go to church. Yeah, but the orgies must go on. Yeah. Okay, teacher shortage. Get to that. Oh, and the Scott Robbins trifecta, his top three stories of the day, straight ahead. Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the Millennial, and the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Oh, uh, there's more controversy now with the Border Patrol. Uh, South Texas Republican Representative Myra Flores, she is the first Mexican-born uh, woman to be in the halls of Congress, and she happens to be a Republican who won in a very deep blue district historically. Uh, she shared a video that she says is Border Patrol uh, stopping suspected drug smugglers, uh, where I think it was in Cal Southern California is where this happened, uh, where she says this happened. Um, and in the video, I love it because it's, it's like a, the realization of a lifelong dream of Jamie Markley when it comes to law and order, because one of these Border Patrol folks is just caning the crap out of one of these suspected drug smugglers. I mean, just yes, just beating yes! him with a cane. Yes, indeed. Oh, <laughs> the, it's my day. The, the, the guy, the suspected drug smuggler, is like is is sort of squaring up on the border patrol agent. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, it just so happens he's got a little stick, and he just whap, just whapping the crap out of the guy. Well, Good. Well, see, that's not loving, and the FBI is now investigating this. Oh, jeez, I knew it. What's he supposed to do? Hold on, I want to make sure that I get this. So this isn't some guy that it's like a public caning. No. The real dream has not been realized yet. Oh, no. we're getting closer, though. Absolutely. No, this is just the, they're squaring off against one another, and law enforcement has a stick. Yeah. And so he uses the stick yeah, it's on a the baton. drug smuggler. Yeah. So he's, so he's hitting him because, yeah, and the, the suspected drug smuggler, he's in a wetsuit. And he's like going up, and he's looking like he's going to pick a fight with the border patrol agent. The border patrol agent is just like swinging the baton around, and then whaps him a couple of times. And apparently, that's the bad guy in this situation. And again, we don't have all the details, but I look at this, and if it is, if this has been accurately portrayed by uh, Myra Flores, then I say good. More of these people should be just beaten. 
people take a worse beating at Chuck E. Cheese. Right. That's a drug smuggler. Yeah, bad guy. Bad guy. Probably bringing yeah. in fentanyl. And then at the very end of the video, so there's two there's two border patrol agents. One of them has the baton, and he's just kind of whapping him every time he tries to uh, get, uh, grab him. Uh, every time the drug smuggler tries to grab the the officer. Yeah. Out of nowhere, this dude comes in looking like an SEC linebacker, just comes screaming down the beach and just boom tackles yes. him. Good. That's what justice looks like, kids. It's what it should look like, absolutely. See, at Christmas time, they should put this little, little like, next to the G.I. Joe, like, Border Patrol Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and the little boy can get it, and there's with, with the baton inside of it. It comes with a, with a drug trafficker. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> and the little TV commercial, little boy playing with him, little drug smuggler starts to run at him, he just whaps him with the baton. Uh, real quick, as we all know, teacher shortage across the country. Okay, upwards of 300,000 short as far as teachers. Yeah. Big problem. Mm -hmm. Huge. So they were featuring that on the Today Show. Our friend Maggie Vespa was reporting on it. And at the end of the report, um, she mentioned something that a lot of teachers mentioned. Okay, this is only like 15 seconds. And more than anything, I wanted you to hear it, David, because you've spoken about this before. Yeah. Uh, just roll it. And of course, a lot of teachers say that key complaint, that common complaint, is that notoriously low pay. So to put this in perspective, according to one study, public school teachers make on average 20% less than professionals with similar education levels and experience. Craig? Yeah, it's really quite sad. No, no it's not, because they work. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's not, because they say 20% less than the average. Well, they also work 25% 25% less than the average professional employee. I know, you know, everybody wants to talk about, well, I think we can all agree that teachers are underpaid. Dude, in some districts, I'm sorry, you if you're working on a nine-month contract, your ass is overpaid, okay? <laughs> um, this is why I played the clip, Because there's, there's a lot of people who are out there making $40,000 a year, and they don't get a summer vacation built into their to their lives. They don't get two weeks off for Christmas and a week or half a week off for Thanksgiving and every federal holiday off. They don't get that. They're working, mm -hmm. you know, hey, you want to go manage an Applebee's for the same amount of money? Be my guest. But I'm guessing the perks are not going to be quite as good uh, when you're working in a restaurant or any other real job. Get over yourselves, teachers. God, really quite sad. Craig said it's really quite sad. I heard that. Well, and just this line before we move on. Don't you agree that teachers are underpaid? Isn't the acceptable answer and the correct answer? Depends on the teacher. Right. Mm -hmm. Some are grossly underpaid. Some are grossly overpaid for what they bring to the table or what sort of damage they might do to a kid. It just depends. I know a lot of great teachers, but we also know a lot of very poor teachers. And to your point, all the holidays off, time off, yeah, but we have to do summertime. We have to do professional development days. You just don't understand. Yeah, because no other job uh, involves really boring long meetings that are pointless. No other job on the planet does that, right? Right. You're the only ones. That's it. In public education. I'm, and with that, I'm so tired of this weep fest.
This is what we do on this show. We troll each other. Know exactly how to push each other's buttons. Very true. It all kind of comes together. And then we just highlight Robbins because he's all got a lot to get off his chest. We do it at this time every day. Are you ready? One, two, buckle my shoe It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Scott's top three. Always helped by his hero in life and top 40 hero. I'm Casey Casey. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Got you. Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. Okay, good to know. Uh, I thought, is he right? Three. Okay. Uh, Number three, Meghan Markle is complaining about her life, too. She's got a podcast. God, who doesn't? Wouldn't it be easier to know how many people don't have podcasts than ones who do? It's like models and rappers. <laughs> Everybody either is one or knows one. It's unbelievable. So the Duchess of Sussex has a uh, podcast. And one of her guests recently was Serena Williams. And she said to Serena, and I quote, I don't remember ever personally feeling the negative connotation between behind the word ambitious until I started dating my now husband. Apparently... Ambition is a terrible, terrible thing for a woman. That is according to some. Since I've felt the negatively behind it, it's been hard to unfeel it. Please! (laughs) You know, you married a prince, Climber? That's called ambition. Shut up! Just quit whining and bitching about how awful your life is. You're the Duchess! I don't probably need to put any gas on this fire. I'm just asking the question. Who are these straw men that are saying ambition's bad for a woman? Well, that's just it, too. I'm just curious. No, I look at you and I go, that's ambition with zero talent, zero ability. Married a guy. (laughs) And he just happened to be a prince. You're not splitting the freaking atom here. Why are you yelling? It's crazy. It's going to be all right, man. People that are worried for your health. It's like, of all the things in the world, is this going to be the thing that puts you over the edge, Meghan Markle? That makes me nuts. Okay. You know, it's just with your billions of dollars and your podcast and your sheltered life. What do you think was going to happen? You're going to live like you were living with a guy who, you know, was a plumber, electrician? Yes. Some modest house somewhere in the Midwest? No. Now, on with the countdown. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. Right. This is the Scott nice. Robbins Trifecta Top 3 right. Stories of the Day. Two. Uh, number two, Governor Gavin Newsom of California uh, vetoed. This am I wild. understanding this right? Yeah, but you are. Vetoed supervised drug injection sites? Yeah, he vetoed a bill which would have created an unlimited number of safe injection sites in a pilot program throughout the entire state of California. Unbelievable. In his veto letter, he said he'd long supported the cutting edge of harm reduction strategies, but said the unlimited number of sites allowed by the bill would include unintended consequences that I don't think we're prepared to deal with. Wow. Hmm. Man, even a broken clock is right twice a day, I guess. Well, I'm thinking the I'm thinking the unintended consequences are him being concerned about the ones that would damage his run for president two years from now. Yeah, the polling, I'm sure. Yeah, it's yeah. not Check good out. on something like that. So he uh, he vetoed. Now he'll say, "I stood up for the people of California." 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, even if it is a, a cynical political ploy, I'm glad he did it. I am too. Well, that, I am too, David. That's I am. genuinely a, a good thing. Because do. it's so something he wouldn't do. Yeah. Because if it comes to decision, he'll always make a bad one, generally. Scott Robbins, trifecta, the top three stories of the day. And finally, yeah. one. Uh, David Hogg, this is the young man who used the coffins of his classmates as a ladder to fame. That's right. Has another hot take. You know, I can't help but wonder if when I read tweets like this, whether Harvard is concerned about this guy or not, from a mental stability standpoint as well. David Hogg tweeted out, it seems some Republicans are more bothered by people having pronouns in their bio than they are by kids being shot. What? Getting nagged about the use of a proper pronoun? I mean, kids being shot is horrific. I mean, how can you compare the two, dopey? But you did. Okay. Again, it's a constant, you know. I mean, make them both illegal. <laughs> I got no problem with that. What, David Hogg and pronouns? Yeah, and pronouns. Just make them, just outlaw them both. Don't, don't kill kids and, uh, and, and no more pronouns. How about that? And there you have it. Who is paying attention to that guy anymore? Oh, he gets written about a lot. I don't understand it. They really don't. Maybe is he should go on the David podcast Hawk? with uh, Meghan Markle. That would be outstanding. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, wanted, definitely want to hear that. A wine fest. <laughs> Scott Robbins, trifecta. Thank you very much. So You're always, welcome. Scott. Yes. It's really been an honor for well, me. Well, for me too, bud. Isn't it always? Okay. Got a news update to get to. And, of course, Nimrod's in the news straight ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Holy smokes. NPR is reporting. Uh, and the New York Times, too. Uh, their systemic racism at the New York Times. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. That's a new one. <laughs> Here we go. I'm not surprised, man. It's a bunch of uh, overeducated white liberals who work there. Those are some of the most racist people on the planet. It tends to be true. But this is the story. Um, apparently, this survey found that black and Latino employees were much less likely to receive strong job reviews I'm, than their white counterparts. I, I'm sorry. Did you say Latino? It's Latinx, sir. Get it right. Not in my world unless I'm mocking. <laughs> sorry. Black and Latinx employees <laughs> less likely to receive strong job reviews than white counterparts. And those reviews influence performance bonuses as well as future promotions. So staffers have told NPR the situation is demoralizing. Okay. From the story, being Hispanic reduced the odds of receiving a high score by about 60%, and being black cut the chances of high scores by about no, 50%. Wait, what, was it actually being black? Was it actually being Hispanic? Or was there actually poor job performance, and it just happened to line up that way? Well, who cares about that? I'm, I'm just curious. I, I don't know. That is, I mean, that's the question. What are we talking about? 
is someone saying that, well, because of the color of one's skin, you should just give them a good review. They deserve it. Right. I mean, you, you could probably come to a similar result if you used uh, everybody whose name starts with the letter D or whatever. You know, you just pick something out of a hat and you can craft a narrative out of anything. Well, Scott doesn't start with D, and neither does Jamie. Mm-hmm. Notice who's playing favorites here. Well, I, everyone knows that I have D supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I thought your shoe said... Anyway, uh, the, from the story, <laughs> while there was some fluctuation, on average, the performance of black employees rose over the intervening years while it declined for... Latinos, sorry, Latinxes, at the organization. Uh, white workers were consistently assessed as outperforming their peers. Well, they should also know if that was just on job performance, that's another trait of white supremacy. Right. If you're doing well, yeah, of you course. shouldn't do that. You should round down. So who knows where that's going to go? In the end, how many times have we said it? These people end up eating themselves when it comes to the left. You know, don't yeah. don't know what else to say to well, that. They run out of targets. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Journalists are just bewildered by this. Okay. Journalists. Okay. That's what they said. All right. You guys, that was not Nimrod's in the news. Nimrod's actually starts now. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrod's in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrod's in the news. Uh, we start in Indiana. Cops in Evansville got a call about some sort of fight. Okay, turned out a guy was trying to take someone's truck. But when police got there, gave up and ran out on, into the road looking for another car to steal. Oh, well, you know, okay. you got to do what you got to do. So when he ran out in the road, that's when he was hit by a car. Jeez. Okay, so now cops are trying to help him. But then he jumped out, ran into the road again, boom, got hit for a second time. <laughs> this time he... He got hit by a semi, and amazingly, not seriously injured. Holy smokes! Yes, isn't that crazy? Is he a superhero? It took him to a hospital, get checked out, then they took him to jail. Oh my gosh! Yes, by a semi. Yes. Wow. That's got to be like the percent of five percent or oh, less to yeah. hit by a semi out on the road. Holy cow! And then the story of a dude in Florida arrested last Thursday. See, cops pulled him over just your regular traffic stop. But the dude had meth on him. What are you going to do in that situation? Oh, boy, i got to try to get rid of it somehow, some way. He actually tried to stash it under the cop car. <laughs> uh, I just dropped something here. Uh, let me reach under here. Hey, what are you doing? What's in that? Hey, that's meth. Yeah, he's in a whole lot of trouble now, and that is Nimrod's in the news.